Could I invite you please to open your Bibles to Revelation chapter 21, and we are moving to the end of our study of the Revelation, and I'd like to ask a favor today, specifically, really clearly directed, could I invite you to use your imaginations today? Uh, 11 weeks ago, I used this sentence, I asked the first service, the first of, of all these messages, I asked this question, are the scriptures given primarily for information? Just want to express our sympathy to your family, grandma's death, yeah, yeah. Um, are the scriptures given primarily for information, or are they given, us, given to us for imaginative transformation? And so if, if, you, if you want to really engage this morning and understand or, or be encouraged, you need to embrace your imagination. Uh, between services, I go downstairs and I change shirts and get, you know, do some stuff. And two people stopped me and they, this, after they went to the first service. They said, this cannot be true. What you described in the first service just can't be true. I said, what, what, what do you mean? And the idea that they lived live with for, for many years is that, well, let me, let me do... I didn't realize I'd have this conversation, but here's something I wrote. Slide four and then slide five. This is what they're asking me. So I wrote this on uh, Thursday, and this is the conversation downstairs. The prominent view of the future is that Jesus will come back, he will judge the world, and take a few people to a happy ever after heaven. What I've been trying to suggest these last 11 weeks is that's a theology of evacuation. For about 100 years, there's a theological stream that runs through our country called dispensational and premillennial, and basically it is the whole world is shot, it's going to hell, we want Jesus to come back and get us out of this mess. What I've been trying to say for 11 weeks is, that's not my opinion, that is not what the Revelation is teaching. I'm going to show you more today. So next slide, please. So salvation is not about going to heaven when we die. So can I just remind you again, for the last at least 10 years, at all four morning services, we pray this prayer. And I'm giving you one sentence in it. May your kingdom come, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. We're not trying to go to heaven. So let me quickly explain, traditional Orthodox Christian understanding. When we leave this place, our spirits go to be with Jesus in paradise, or the scriptures say our spirits go to Hades. But Jesus will return, we believe, as Orthodox Christians, and when he returns, he will bring heaven to earth in its fullness. You will need a body because you will eat and dance and work and reign and travel. So when we pray every week, we say, Lord, may your kingdom come here. And what we are praying for is a meaningful, everlasting, worshiping, feasting, working, ruling, and loving around the throne. So I'll unpack this more in a minute. But let me just play real fast. Work. Genesis chapter 3, when sin came into the picture, work got wrecked. Each of us, all of us, will work forever. But it will be a restful work that gives you life. It will be a work that gives you joy. 
and how God wired you to live here and the things you most enjoy here will be part of your forever. So this new heaven and earth, use your imagination, there's going to be this incredible worship. We'll talk about that in a moment. There's going to be feasting. So the first service, we have a number of farmers who come, and I keep teasing them, and I'm not teasing. If we're going to feast, you've got to have food. Who's going to make the food? The farmers. We're going to need farmers. We're going to need all kinds of occupations in a new heaven. And Are you using your imaginations? All this is coming. How about ruling? Genesis chapter 1, God says to Adam and Eve, you're going to have dominion over all things. Revelation chapter 21 and 22, you're going to reign and rule. So stay with me, stay with me. The day will come in the new heaven and new earth when you are so transformed, increasingly to become more and more all of us like Jesus. Listen, Listen to me. In the new heaven and you, new earth, you will do whatever you want, and what you want is always what Jesus would do. Are you using your imagination? It's not sitting in rows for a billion years singing Amazing Grace. It is way more. And when we do worship, when we do worship, it's going to be unbelievable. When this presence, we'll talk about it. The presence is so great. You, you, you'll want to worship. Today, 60, 70, 80,000 people are going to go to buildings. They're going to go to temples. And they're going to worship their gods. They have all the same clothes on. They're going to sing the same songs. They're going to be all excited about who they're worshiping today. What are we talking about? Football. <laughs> have you been to a professional football game? It's a worship service. R- Randy, am I speaking the truth? <laughs> we will... And, and, every, and all 60,000 people are pumped about the Vikings. They just want to celebrate their team. And, Jesus is so glorious that when he shows up the second time, you're going to want to praise him and praise him and praise him and worship him and praise him because he is so glorious, better than your team, better than anything. So all this is coming. Are you using your imagination? All this is coming. Well, let's go to the next slide, please. So what I'm going to say to you is wrapped up with this sentence. That which we have begun to experience here corresponds with what we will completely experience. So living in deep and abiding relationship with Jesus here, living with people in honor and dignity and kindness here, will be with you forever in beautiful and beautiful ways. One more. I got two more slides and then I'm going to go to a passage. Can I have the circles, please? So I've been teasing you with this for, for 11 weeks. And what I've, let me give you two words, two Greek words kairos and chronos. Chronos is the word for chronology today. It's a linear way of thinking and things, you know, you set your clock, you set your calendar, you, you, you follow the time, whatever the appointed time is and are. And so we have, many of us have developed a theology of the end times that's chronology. This happens, this happens, this happens, this happens, this happens, this happens, and it's over. And I've been trying to suggest to you, I don't think that's right. So what you have in Hebrew writing is repetitions of themes over and over. So let me show you what the themes are. Now the next slide, please. So here they are. You have Christ in the churches, you have the scroll unsealed, 
You have trumpets of terror and hope. You have the beast and the lamb, the heart and the bride, and the end. Now, what's interesting about the circles, this kairos, breaking in opportune moments, is how every circle is the same in terms of style. So let me just use a clock analogy, chronos. At 12 o'clock, at 3 o'clock, and 6 o'clock, in each of the chapters, things are getting worse and worse and worse. And you go pet to 9 and back to 12, everything gets great. And it happens six times. Well, let me give you an example. So, the first one, Christ and the churches. The high point is chapter 4, 1 through 17. There's victory. The second one, the seal unscrolled, chapter 7, 1 through 17. The third one, trumpets of terror and hope, chapter 11, 15 through 19. The fifth one, beast and the lamb, chapter 19, 5, 1 through 10. And the last one, heart and the bride, is 21. Using your imagination, what St. John is saying to churches, to people who are having hard times being persecuted, who are losing stuff, who are fearful, who are anxious, don't be afraid. The question he asks over and over and over is simply this. Will the followers of Jesus be faithful to Jesus or will we comp compromise with the culture? That's the question. He just asks over in all these circles, all this Kairos kind of thinking. He just keeps asking the question, will we compromise? Will we compromise? Will we be faithful? So that's what he's asking us for. So now imagination. Can I have a slide again? Um, uh, five. If I'm thinking just chronology, dun, 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 and I got to stand here for six billion years singing Kumbaya, oh man. Do I really want to do that? Do I want to do that? No. Do you want to do that? But that's what we think it is. Use your imagination. This is new heavenly words. Now, no, the word new, there's two Greek words for new. One is like build something from scratch, brand new. And the second word is to take what is present and then to enhance it and make it even better. That's the word he uses. There is a new heaven and a new earth, and it is awesome. Now, that's why creation care is important. You're going to live here. We're going to live, hello, you're going to live here forever. If you're a follower of Jesus, listen to me, you will live on this planet forever. You don't go to the cloud somewhere and sing Kumbaya. Hello, stay with me. I don't know if I like this. We, we, we had developed, I mean, it's, we got some wacky ideas about what's to come. What I'm carefully trying to do say is use your imagination and read the Bible with open eyes and open heart. And the best days are to come. Well, let's go to the text. Chapter 21. Let me just read. Faye did a wonderful job of reading. Let me read just a few passages. And before I do, look up one second again. So I, I, let me give you just some numbers again, real quick numbers. There are 404 verses in the Revelation, 404. 278 have one to three specific Old Testament references. In those 404 verses, there are 518 allusions to Old Testament or New Testament. It is filled if, so listen to me. Remember the first week I asked this question. The little uh, 
card we gave you 11 weeks ago, 12 weeks ago, on this little card I gave you, you Desha made for us. The bottom bullet is in studying the revelation, the only question you need to ask yourself is, do I know my Old Testament? Because if you don't know the Old Testament, you don't understand the revelation. So in today's passage, chapter 21.1 through 22.5 has, listen to this, seven zero references to the Old Testament. And there are so many, and the vision is so grand that St. John uses the word, it's, it's, it's like, it's, it's like, it's, it's like, it's just so unbelievable. <clears throat> so let me take you through just four little sections of this and then unpack it a little more. Chapter 21, verses 1 through 5. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, not brand new, that which is, has been enhanced, affirmed, developed, bettered. For the first heaven and first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. Now, why is the word sea there? Because the Hebrews were terrified of water. For them, water was where demons came from. Water was where chaos was. The spirit in chapter 1 of Genesis hovers over the water. They're terrified of water. So there's no sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem. Look at now. Coming down out of heaven from God. Hold your finger there. Look over in chapter 21. Look at verse 9. Uh, verse 10. Carried me away in the spirit to a mountain great and high and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, same phrase, coming down out of heaven from God. That's critical. So who, what is coming down? A holy city prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. Last week, chapter 20. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place now is among people, and he will dwell with them. They'll be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes that we know more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. Now what? look at verse 3. God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell. The word there is tabernacle. Genesis, John chapter 1. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, the word was God, and God made his presence, his tabernacle among them. So this is the, what's behind it. In antiquity, Pick your culture, pick your, your government, pick your religion. Every single one had a temple where God lived. Their God had a place. So if you wanted to meet with God, you had to go to the temple. So what did the people of Israel have? They had a tent, a tabernacle, and a holy of holies. And once a year, the high priest could walk into the place where the presence of God was, on his chest was a breastplate with all kinds of watches, all kinds of jewels, representing all the tribes of people. He had all kinds of beautiful emeralds all over. With a rope around his waist, one time a year, he walked into the place where the presence of God was, and he hoped he'd come out alive. Later on, People of Israel said, we don't want a little thing, we want a big thing. So they built a big temple, and they said, that's where God lives. Okay, now use your imagination. When Jesus comes back and creates a new heaven, a new earth, there will be no temple. 
because God will be here. When Jesus is born, how is he described? You shall call him Emmanuel, which means... So in the second coming of Jesus, the presence of God will be with us. So I want you to just try to think this through. Use your imagination. Question first, does Jesus still have a body? Yes or no? Absolutely. So when you come here, who will you see? You will see Jesus. Father, no, Spirit, Holy Spirit, you will see Jesus, and he will see you. And he will look right into you. Read all the near-death experiences. What do people see? There's this incredible light in this person, this presence who just sees right into them. You're going you're to stand before you, and he's going to see you. His presence will be with you, all of us, with us. I'll go jump ahead a little bit. And it says, in this new heaven and new earth, there'll be healing for the nations. I want you to think about this. There's going to be this, this, some kind of a throne. And Jesus, I want you to think about this now. There'll be people from every nation, every language, every tribe, and every tongue. Someone will hear. And all will retain their colors. All will retain their languages. All retain their customs. And all will be united in love here. Can you imagine that? Use your imagination. It's amazing. So it says now, Father, look in verse 4, he'll wipe away every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. Why? Because the Roman government was killing them and killing their kids and killing everyone. And they're saying, how, remember chapter 6? How long? How long? How long? Oh, Lord, how long? And at the end of Revelation, he said, oh, it's going to be good. You're going to stand here. No more of this. No more killing. No more hatred. This will be a place of incredible love. Use your imaginations. Well, let's go on a little farther. Chapter 21, verse 9 and 10. One of the seven angels who had seven bowls full of, seven, of the seven last plagues came to me and said, Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And he carried me away in the spirit to a mountain great and high and showed me the holy city, Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. It's, now look at the next phrases. It's shown with the glory of God and its brilliance was like that of a precious jewel. Like Jasper. It had great walls and gates and all these different things. Why is there so much conversation about the, build, about the size of the city? Why? Well, let me just give you, if you heard Faye read, how big the, the city described in human terms, listen to this now, the complete Roman Empire of that day would have fit within the walls that are described in chapter 21. The whole Roman Empire. Why walls that are 216 feet thick? Because no one can, these, these are people who are, these people, stay with me, if the government soldiers are killing your kids, if you're watching brothers and sisters be raped and killed and destroyed by the government, and you can't get a job because you say, I follow Jesus and I won't do incense, and your kids can't be educated, and you're just trying to live, and now you use your imagination, 
there's something coming that is glorious and it is safe, it is strong, it is secure, it is forever. Use your imagination. And what he's trying to say is there is great hope. Now go back to my circles again, please, Jim. Every one of these circles ends up at 12 o'clock. They work through all kinds of pain. It ends up with God's good. He's winning. Keep hanging there, hanging there, hang. six times. Hang in there, hang in there, hang in there. What's he asking? Will you be faithful to Jesus or will you compromise with Babylon? That's what he's asking over and over and over. Let's go on a little farther. Chapter 22. Uh, no, I'm sorry. 21, verse 22. Chapter 21, 22. I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or moon to shine for the glory the Shekinah of God gets its, gives it light and the Lamb is its lamp. The nations will walk by its light and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. On no day will its gates ever be shut for there will be no, there will be no night there. There's never anything to worry about. The glory and the honor of the nations that we brought into it, nothing impure will enter it, nor will anyone who does what is shameful or deceitful, but only those whose names are written in the book of Lamb's Life. Why? why? Why is that there? Why, why that? So remember now what, what the Roman soldiers would do. To wreck our church, I mean, take our church and bring it that, that, to that day. To wreck our church, the soldiers would come, and they would watch different us, ones of us, if you had children, they'd play us off each other. I told you this story, right? They'd play off each other. So they say, the Mitchells renounce Christ, we're going to kill your kids. We're going to rape your wife, your women, and we're going to kill your kids. And your moldies renounce Christ. And the moldies say, no, we're not renouncing Christ, and all their kids get killed. And then the Mitchells, like the Corvers, we, we wimp out and say, we renounce Christ, we're going to Caesar, and our children live. So what happens next time we gather for worship? How do the moldies, the Mitchells, the Corvers feel when one family has lost their children and one hasn't. What begins to happen? And now he says, there's no more tears. You're safe. That will not happen. Everyone's going to be fine. He's offering hope to people who are experiencing pain at levels we cannot imagine. And he's saying, that is what's coming. And so when we pray every single Sunday, Lord, may your kingdom come, may your will be done on the earth as it is in heaven. You're saying, so what we're saying, let it come through us. So stay, stay with me. How does the kingdom come? Right here. Stay with me. It comes or it doesn't come through us. Now, one of the things, well, I'll get to, I'll get, I'll get there. Chapter 22, verse 3. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and the servants will serve him. That word can be translated worship or also work. They will see his face, his name will be on their foreheads. Now, what is that? That's the opposite of 666. Remember, 666 was the anti-Shema. 777 is a Shema. So what's going to be on their foreheads? Jewish men wore hats, tassels, and tassels. What they'd have written right here, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and your neighbor as yourself. John is saying that will be on everyone's heads. Not the anti-Shema, which is wealth, power, arrogance, just the opposite. Again, the, safe, the place is big. 
It is safe. There is no suffering. There is no pain. There is no persecution. There's no manipulation. There's no, it is glory. Are you using your imagination? If you are a follower of Jesus, this is what is coming. So I'm in a relationship with some people who are probably not so distant future will leave us for the, for the life to come. And I just remind you again, just reminding you, in my opinion, when we close our eyes here, we enter a different space. And the space we enter is glorious. We don't know how we got there. And I've said this, I said it a hundred times. I'll say it one more time. Listen to this. It is my opinion, you will not know when you die. A child falls asleep and wakes up in a new place. The child has no idea. When you die here, you'll end up, your spirit will go to be with Jesus in paradise or your spirit will go to Hades. When Jesus returns, we will all be given bodies and we will stand here. And if you're in Christ, welcome home. And then you'll say, no, to us, I want you to feast. I want you to worship. I want you to work. I want you to rule. I want you to be in fellowship with people from every background. And I want all the world to see what my kingdom is actually about. Are you using your imagination? That is what is coming but we can be part of it now. How we treat each other now. So my sentence again, number five I think it is, Jim. That which we begin to experience corresponds what we'll completely experience. Let me push now. If you're a follower of Jesus, you are tasting things like love and joy and peace and patience. You're experiencing things like fellowship and kindness and goodness and they're tasting what is to come. Let me flip it. And if I am arrogant and selfish and judgmental, and I post mean, mean, horrible things online, and behind closed doors I speak poorly of people, someday you might go to a place called hell. Now I'm gonna play with this for a minute. I need to, I feel prompted. There's so much language around hell that is metaphorical. It's metaphorical. I believe hell is a quarantining away from the goodness of God and the new heaven and new earth. And the people who are quarantined together will hate each other, will abuse each other, will be horrific. Kind of sounds like a lot of the world today, doesn't it? So what we experience here, partially, we'll experience there completely. We experience the goodness of the kingdom of God here. We express it to each other. You're going to experience that in spades someday. And if I am mean and angry and judgmental and crabby and bitching and yelling at the... But if I, if I found it interesting, a couple weeks ago, I, I got sick. And uh, Clay preached for me, the second, third service. But I was... Well, let me go back and find a minute. In chapter 17, I was just struck. 
Chapter 17. Look, we'll just, let's look at it a second. I'm, I'm going to stay with this. I think we'll stay here a bit. Chapter 17. Look at verses 15 through 17. Then the angel said to me, the waters you saw where the prostitute sits, this is Babylon, the peoples, the multitudes, the nations, the languages, the feasts and the ten horns you saw, look at the next sentence, will hate the prostitute. They will bring her to ruin and leave her naked. They'll eat her flesh and burn her with fire. What is being communicated there? Demons hate each other. So if in this life I say, you say, I want nothing to do with the kingdom of God, God will say to us, fine, go to hell. But when you go to hell, that's what you're going to experience. Everybody hates everybody. Everybody's trying to use everybody. It's horrific. That's hell. You'll be quarantined with all these horrible beings who are only selfish, will not submit, are trying to overpower, overrule, all that, forever. And Jesus, who talks about hell more than anybody, says, you don't want to go there. So what you experience in this life, brothers and sisters, is something you will experience more completely later, whether it's in heaven or it's in hell. This is what I've been saying to you. You bring with you who you are into the next life. The women, the men, the boys and girls we are, we take with us. You don't just, when you die, there's a car wash and everything just gets washed away. Your character, your character goes with you. This is why it's so critical that we're being formed into the image of Christ. That people see and sense the work of the Spirit, the presence of the Lord. Because that's what we bring with us. It's crazy. Okay, so let me try to summarize this. Slide number nine. So what I've been trying to say for the last 23 minutes is this. Three, four words. I would describe, and I think this comes from a scholar whose name is Duval. Um, he uses the words promises, place, people, and presence. So use your imagination. The promises. St. Paul writes, the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ. In the new heaven and new earth, all the promises that God has made to you will be fulfilled, everyone. It's a place. There's a specific place where this new heaven, new earth, terra firma, comes down, we're there. I just, I just beg you, maybe sometime next year I'll do 10, 12 weeks, some other, not in a worship service, and really walk you through all this stuff. But let me just, can I just, can I, can I just use, use your imagination with me? Ready? In the new heaven and new earth, you're going to have a body like Jesus. So you'll be able to go to solar systems that we don't even know about. You'll be able to transverse solar systems. You'll be able to eat food. You'll be able to do gainful work. You'll be able to worship with abandon. You will love everyone from every place. Forever. Can you imagine that? Why would you want to not go there? No, we don't go there. It comes here. See, this, 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 does this story just blow your mind? A famous astronaut just passed away who's in the 90s. 
And if you go research his life a bit, when he saw planet Earth from up in space, he made some very interesting comments. But if you look at this picture from space, how, how big is the Earth? Stay with me. So they're, having a, they're hanging out together. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. And I'm playing. There's a planet over there with some people who need our circle of love. Jesus, would you be willing to go to this tiny little dot in this tiny little solar system bazillion light years away? Many of them will reject you. Many of them want nothing to do with you. Would you go there and would you show them how to live and how to love and how to die? and how to rise. And Jesus said, yep. And we're here today because of that. Now, I think I'm gonna push on you. The kingdom comes, the kingdom is coming, the kingdom is coming. And last week I used a phrase, a provocative phrase on purpose. The, the salvation is an embrace of love. We resonated with that. But I also use the phrase, salvation is an assault on evil. An assault on evil. So when we forgive, when we bless our enemies, when we pray for those who hate us and persecute us, you are assaulting evil, listen, and you're bringing heaven to earth. All our lives on this side we have opportunity to practice for what is to come. It's a people. Whenever I go home to Los Angeles, my parents, our parents passed away, the thing I miss the most about Los Angeles is the amazing diversity of people. Uh, in our little town called Paramount, I think it was 40,000 people live within a three-mile radius of our own church, our old church. And I can walk one block and I'll see a score of different people groups, different backgrounds. I'll go to restaurants and hear all kinds of languages. Use your imagination. Can you imagine a place where every person from every nation, every language, every tribe, every background is welcomed and loves and feasts and worships and works and reigns. That's where you're going. Use your imagination. And the last one is presence. It is, I, I don't know if we'll be able to, I, I don't understand this. This, this, this. When I used to talk with our boys about this stuff, I said, Dad, this is really confusing. This forever stuff. I don't know how this, I don't understand how there could be a throne we're God the Father, we don't see. God the Son, you see, and then we see the Holy Spirit, we don't. How, how did, but how will this be the presence in the new heaven and new earth? I don't know how, but everyone in the new heaven and new earth will be centered on that somehow. And that centering is a place of love and abandon. So we pray, Lord, may your kingdom come. May your will be done on the earth through us like it's done in heaven. 
Let me conclude with this. Um, next, number 12, because we have to, I want to sing a little bit together. Number 12, please, Jim. So next week is our last Sunday of the series, and I, I wonder if I could ask a favor. Would you be willing, would you consider sharing one way, just one, our reading of the Revelation has affected your relationship with Jesus? Can we just spend just a couple, couple moments? Remember that was behind all this. If we can't talk about Jesus in church, we probably won't talk about him anywhere. And if we can't pray together in church, we probably won't pray anywhere. So one of the ways we bring Kevin to earth is be sharing our relationship with Jesus. And then the last one is read Revelation chapter 22 because we're going to tie it all together. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, we bless you and we honor you for the amazing, amazing, amazing life you offer us in Jesus. We thank you, Lord. We thank you. So I pray, Lord, that you would move. Can I invite you? Could you take a moment of silence? Would you invite the Holy Spirit to ignite your imagination about what is to come? Lord, as you quicken our imaginations, would you release a great hope, a great expectation that the best is still to come? Give us a great longing to join you in your amazing life and work of bringing the wonders of heaven to earth. So we bless you, Lord, and we thank you. Hear the songs of our hearts, the songs of our voices, the thoughts that we think, we offer them now to you, and then we pray that when we leave this place, we would bring your kingdom wherever you send us. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.